Hi and welcome to my new podcast, A Word in Your Ear. Well, my words in your ear, if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to start by giving you uh, a full short story, but serialised. So this is episode one. I wrote this story a little while ago. Hope you like it. It's called Into the Light. Here we go. Tube enters tube. I hate it when the train goes into the tunnel. One minute there's light and space and safety. The next, darkness and noise bouncing off the walls and into my head. I can't even read the paper or pretend to listen to stuff on my iPad. So I cope by people watching. Except it's not really people because the people I nod to as we wait on the platform stop being people when we enter the tunnel. Now they're waxwork figures, staring carefully over my left shoulder, or immobile behind the apparently endless, fascinating news in today's giveaway newspaper. Madame Tussauds on the rails. All except the stranger in carriage three. He was crouching over his laptop like a cat trapping a mouse all hunched and bunched and tense and intense. I hadn't seen him before, though I have missed a few days this week, getting over the treatment again. His immediate neighbours on the 0805 Northern Line obviously didn't approve. They had a sort of fossilised irritation etched on their faces. They probably wished they'd waited three minutes for the next train. But then... Three minutes is a long time to lose when you have such busy and significant lives. Yeah, right. One of them, Mr. Poface, was being repeatedly elbowed in his superior paunch as Mr. Laptop furiously tapped the keyboard and dragged at the trackpad. And when he looked up, the glow from the screen cast shadows that made his face look all dark, straight lines. Eyebrows, wrinkles, spectacles, thin black moustache, lips, all shaped him into layers like cake. Victor Sponge wins Bake Off. I looked at him, pleased to have a new object to study, but he wouldn't catch my eye. He continued his torture of the machine, his fingers punching data brutally, maybe thinking it could never be erased. Or maybe he was scared of going underground too. He'll get off at Euston. We all get off at Euston, thank God. I love that feeling of floating up and up into the light, like the end of a bad dream. Launching us all into our day in, I don't know, Sim City? And for me, that's time at the keyboard, writing the words and snappy headlines that will win media coverage for our clients. I write press releases, you see. I'm a five-a-day man. Each one takes about half an hour on the phone or on the web to get the info, half an hour playing with words and another ten or fifteen bashing them out before clicking send. 
To put what I do into perspective, you try coming up with something that will get a continental quilt company on the front page of an interior design magazine. The inside pages don't count. Not good enough. See what I mean? I've had a lot of time off for treatment lately. I can tell that some of the others in the office think I'm on some sort of hypochondriac scam. But it's not as if I'm wasting my time. It's not in my nature to waste time. After the chemo, I lie back feeling like shit. But I keep occupied by thinking of turns of phrase that could make a snappy headline. Sad or what? I've been doing the job for years, so it sort of comes naturally to me. My new boss, Sarah, is nutty as a fruitcake, but she likes my stuff. She's always telling me I'm her little word processor, and she wishes I could be in the office 60 hours a week, like the others. <laughs> no way. Nine to five, that's me. Half an hour for lunch. I'm the only one who takes a break, but it's pretty intensive writing like that. I told Sarah, it's not like I sit in meetings all day like everyone else, which clearly doesn't require much brain power. (laughs) The recorded voice informed us that the next station would be Euston, that the train would terminate here, and that we should change for national rail services and other lines that link to the rest of the known universe. That was the cue for the usual shuffling, pocket-patting, watch-checking, briefcase and bag-gripping, and newspaper-folding. I folded my copy of Metro into quarters and put it in my rucksack for firelighting duties at home. I've never been tempted to read it, but I like the way it enlightens me through the glass door of the wood-burner. Mr. Poface pulled his chain and a pocket watch appeared out of his chalk-stripe waistcoat, just in time for him to look down his nose at it. Watchmaker has time in his pocket. Mr. Laptop was still mugging the keyboard. Then, as the rest of the population of Carriage 3 stood up and tried to find a space on the floor big enough to stand reasonably upright, and I concentrated on the relaxing breathing pattern the Macmillan nurse taught me, he closed the laptop, looked at his watch, and apologised to Mr. Poface. Shock as man on tube speaks to fellow passenger. Um, overslept, meeting in 30 minutes, had to prepare. Sorry if I disturbed you. Mr. Poface smiled, nodded, remained silent. I looked at the white flecks on the suit collar of the man in front of me. Dandruff treatment, head and shoulders above the rest. I breathed in, willing the doors to breathe out. There you go. That's the end of part one of Into the Light. I'll bring you the second half next time. And hey, thanks for listening.